When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We begin this week's episode paying tribute to one of British Speedway's leading figures over the years, John Cook. British Speedway is deeply shocked and saddened to learn of the passing of former Vice Chairman John Cook. John died on Monday at the age of 55. He had a glittering career as one of the leading voices in the sport with Eastbourne, Arena Essex, and he returned to Eastbourne for 2019. A passionate person, he was always keen to get his views across and was a great servant to the sport after starting out as a second half rider and rode in four meetings for Eastbourne in 1989 and 90. During his initial spell as promoter at Arlington, he won the league title in both 95 and 2000 and also the Knockout Cup three times. He oversaw Arena Essex rebrand as Lakeside, reaching the playoffs and moved back to Eastbourne when the Arena Raceway closed. British Speedway chairman Rob Godfrey said everyone connected with British Speedway Promoters Limited is in shock at this news. Our first thoughts are with John's family. The Pool Pirates promoter Matt Ford was a particular close friend of John Cook's and uh, Matt joins us now. Matt, thanks for joining us on what is a very sad day both for British Speedway and for you personally and this news has come as a huge shock extremely sad news um, that I received this morning from uh, Jacob Cook, John's son, um, who phoned me to inform me that that John sadly um, passed away yesterday, Monday the 3rd of May, um, and that uh, at this point in time, they're not entirely sure the reasons behind it. Um, So let's not speculate about that until we find out for sure what had, had actually happened. But it's. Um, I, I have to say, John and I were, were really good friends. We had a telephone conversation last week for about an hour in, in length, and, and we were really um, putting the world to rights and, and, and just having fun, as we always did. And, and John Cook was simply, uh, in my opinion, was, a, was a, both a great Speedway promoter, um, involved in clubs that, that weren't, always that easy to run in terms of finance and etc but john was always so good at doing it and and as a person just the, the the absolute best he and i had such great respect i believe for each other um and have helped each other on many occasions uh and i i'm truly devastated by the news that that, that we've we've just all heard he started out as a, a second-half rider, but crossed the tracks then into promotion. What are your memories of working alongside him within Speedway from the promoting side and, and the management side of the sport? John and I both served on the management committee, as it was once known in Speedway, uh, at the same time. Um, and it, it, it always made the trip worthwhile because those, those events were sometimes... Um, uh, not the best of fun, but but to be with John, it always made the trip worthwhile. And you know, he he was always tough to beat in respect on track and off track. He's he's um he was he was so 
I, I don't even like speaking about him in the past tense. I've got to be honest, this is so new to us all. And, and John is, John was uh, just an, an, an absolute gem. I mean, I, I've, I, our friendship grew and grew in the last sort of 10 years. We, we had some moments earlier on in, in our Speedway careers where the two of us would were, you know, the young kids on the block uh, uh, 20 years ago. And of course, all this time later, we're still about, which is, is alarming in itself. But just a, a great guy. Um, I, just to, you know, I think now I just think about his, his it's towering above me at five foot eight and he is six foot four. And, but the friendship that we had and, and just the, the fun that we had together um, in this quite, wonderful sport of speedway and and you know we have all lost a uh someone that that, that gave the sport so much and and personally i've lost a great friend and uh, it's it's really hard to, to talk about this uh, at this moment in time and when you think of john what are the memories that instantly come back to you the most when when you think of john cook i i personally had a a problem seven or eight years ago um, and John stood up and, and uh, supported me um, mentally uh, at the time when I was, was feeling very low about something. And, and I have to say that, that that was always on my mind every time I, I saw him or thought of him and how giving he was of his time and, and, and of, of just trying to always please people. John was he actually always supported the underdog, which is why at times when the pirates were, were fairly dominant, that, that he would often support the other team. And, and that was part of his nature and part of the fun of it, because we, we just used to go into a, a, a form of battle, but always come out and have a drink afterwards. Uh, and, and just, you know, I'm, I, I can't, I mean, for his two sons, for Jacob and Kai, that a, a are both lovely lads and I know John worshipped and and for, for those two to be having this news at this point in time you know in their lives is, is just devastating and I I feel sorry for us all but I in, in, in particularly um, those two are in my thoughts and and having spoken to Jacob today who's incredibly strong I can see where he's got it from um, it's it's such hard hard news for these two two young lads to take so you know i i he's given the sport so much i do hope that, that somehow we can honor him uh in the way that he honored our sport i know it can't have been very easy for you to, to do this so we really appreciate you coming on and giving your memories and, and your tribute to john cook thank you very much matt ford Thanks a lot, Ian. Paul Pirates promoter Matt Ford leading the tributes to his friend and colleague John Cook, former vice chairman of British Speedway and promoter at Eastbourne, Arena Essex and Lakeside, who died this week. After a subdued start, let's begin with this week's episode of No Breaks, No Fear, the official British Speedway podcast. 
I'm Ian Brannan, and over the next 50 minutes or so, we're going to hear from lots of people. We're going to be hearing from Eastbourne and Kings Lynn captain Lewis Kerr on his hopes for the season ahead. We're also going to hear from Joe Screen. The British Speedway legend was on hand to help out some of the riders of today and some interested amateurs who've taken advantage of the offer from Bellevue Aces to try out and experience the National Speedway Stadium circuit. And he's been there giving his advice on how to get the best out of the track, so we'll hear from him in just a bit. We're also going to hear from Phil Lanning, who has got some advice for Speedway promoters everywhere, really, He's got many, many years' experience in journalism. He's a reporter for the Sun newspaper. He also contributes regularly to the Speedway Star on what he thinks Speedway needs to do to increase those column inches. And we're going to start off by taking a look at Sheffield's prospects for this season with Simon Stead. No breaks, no fear. The official British Speedway podcast. Welcome to another episode of No Breaks, No Fear, the official podcast of British Speedway. Let's start then with a roundup of some things that have been happening across Speedway from the past seven days. And we're getting tantalisingly close to the day where fans are back in, the day we've all been waiting for. British Speedway is already underway and we'll touch on that in a moment. But British Speedway's premiership clubs are aiming to launch ticket sales for their first events of the season. Tuesday, May the 11th is the date for your diary. Promoters have been working to ensure all supporters understand the ticket sales process for their club during a period of restrictions for entry to sporting venues, subject to the government roadmap going ahead as planned as is the case right now, meaning Step 3 can begin on May 17th. All clubs will put tickets on sale at 9am on May the 11th, so check your club's website for more information on the situation regarding your particular club. Some changes at the Kings Lynn Stars. Dale Allett has increased his role with Kings Lynn to allow owner Keith Chapman to reduce his workload. Chapman, who also owns Peterborough, is keen to spend more time with his family and is happy to leave Allett to oversee the daily business. Peter Schroke remains as Kings Lynn manager for the new season, with Allett and Chapman staying as co-promoters. But Allett, who spent the winter helping out at Peterborough following the departure of Carl Johnson, will be more involved this season as Chapman enjoys more leisure time. And as we just touched on, Berwick made a winning start to the first official match of the British Speedway season in the clash of National Development League newcomers by defeating Armadale 50-40 at Shieldfield Park. The Bullets Heat leaders won eight races between them with Kyle Bickley top scoring with 12 points. Skipper Leon Flint with 11 dropped only one point from four rides. I'm pleased to say Leon Flint joins us now on the official British Speedway podcast. Leon, welcome. It must have been pretty weird for you to be finally out there and and racing competitively totally um felt but bit of a bit surreal you know just seeing seven lads and um seven lads in one pit um you know obviously we've had some some individuals and stuff like that but to actually have the first home fixture uh, fixture was um so good uh so good to get get back and just felt like I said, um didn't didn't feel real. Um, you know, I was speaking to my dad and he said he, he came he came out the, the office and just looked looked and uh, it was just so just so good to see that we've uh, you know got a bit of normality back. 
yeah, I think it was just great and people are just relieved to have a bit of league speedway uh, here on these shores as well and, and rather than watching stuff from around the world because the live stream went really well. I know lots of people are watching that and um, the perfect performance from the Bullets to open the season. Yeah, I think it's a, it's it's good for Barrett to get uh, everything kicked on. Um, I think I think job with it all. Um, I'm not into, like the, the management and politics of it all and from what I've from what I did see, uh, it was it was an all right for people. Um, you know, I thought it, would, it was decent value for your money. Um, but I just hopefully, you know, that's give the the fans and stuff um, a bit of go about it all um, and a bit got them all excited for the this the I think it's the 18th or something. On a personal note, it was a very good individual performance for you. You dropped one point all night from four rides, which you must be chuffed with, and especially against a, a strong outfit because the Armadale team contained Nathan Greaves and Danny Phillips, former National League winners, so up against some, some serious opposition on uh, on Saturday. Yeah, it was a bit of a shame I couldn't go, couldn't go all the way um, with, uh, with the max, but hey-ho, um, I know what I need to work on. Um, you know, I can... I can Come away knowing you know I've I've rode well, but what the also good thing is is that I can also come away and know that there's a few things that I've done wrong. So, uh, you know, next time next time we're out, I know I know not to do them things, and I'll hopefully manage to you know get a full get the full house. And a busy and exciting season in the Flint household, of course. Your, your dad being the co-promoter at Berwick, and uh, you're involved on uh, on all fronts there as well. Um, must be uh, nice to, to look forward to a season of racing now. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, it's a bit bit of a shame that you know we're not. It's, from now, it's not like you know super super busy, but I think we've got Friday next week, and then. Um, a week, a week off, and then, then we're absolutely flat out. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a big hit to the the system. But uh, I think you know, with everyone having this uh, longer break from it all, I, I think uh, you know, I don't think anyone's going to be saying no to meetings and being busy. Well, look, a great start to the season. Well done, Leon, and uh, all the best for the rest of the season coming up. Yes, thank you. Leon Flint speaking on the official British Speedway podcast. Let's turn our attention right now to Premiership Speedway and in particular the Sheffield Tigers. Sheffield are a team that have been waiting longer than most to make their Premiership debut. They should have been in action last year, but the pandemic saw to that. This year, they're back, they're opening their Premiership account and with a few notable changes in the team. Of course, they were due to be lining up with Nicky Pedersen, but he's had to make way due to the Polish restrictions and international travel problems as well that we're currently facing in the world. But that said, Sheffield have still got a very strong lineup and still being fancied by many to mount a serious title challenge in 2021. Let's find out more about that Tigers team. Robin Allen has been speaking with team manager Simon Stead, who says he's just pleased to finally get going. Oh, really looking forward to it. It's, um, obviously, from the announcement um, to actually getting to, to track as a premiership club has been a long time coming, so... Um, we've had a lot to look forward to for, for quite a long time now um, and we're all excited about it. I, I believe we've got a, a really strong team and um, I'm looking forward to it kicking off. Now, you've had to make some enforced changes, but 
in people like Troy Batchelor. You couldn't have had a, a better replacement for someone like Nicky with his experience. Yeah, that's Brew. right. He's a what Troy is is a proven performer um, in this country, a former Grand Prix rider, and somebody that scored a, a bag full of points week in week out um, in the in the British Premiership. So. Uh, we're, we're really happy with how the team shaped up. Um, look, it was disappointing that we had to make these enforced changes, but but what we had to do was go back to the drawing board, and um, and I'm really happy with what we've got. And you've got some riders in there that are getting another chance in in the Premiership. And you look at sort of Josh Bates again. He's a local lad. He's been ridden for for Sheffield before. And it's going to be great for him to have this opportunity as a rising star. I love working with Josh. You know, he's had a obviously a, a few, two or three years now where he's had some horrendous injuries, not necessarily, you know, by riding a speedway bike in in some cases. Um, but it's it's really put him back. But I think what this rising star program does, it gives an opportunity to somebody like Josh who was. Uh, it would have been quite easy to lose somebody like him from the sport um, and that would have been a real shame with somebody of his ability. So what it does, it gives them a, a real platform of uh, putting themselves right back into the thick of it. Um, and he's a great kid. He's got uh, he's got a lot of talent on a bike and, and uh, he'll fit right into our Sheffield team. A great character um, and somebody who I, I, I've enjoyed working with before and uh, who I think... I'll be able to get plenty out of him. And you've got a good mix of lads in there. Obviously, you've got Kyle Howarth, Justin Sedgman, James Wright, and there's some, some good riders in there that have got a point to prove as well. Yeah, there, there are. Um, I, think, I, think, um, I think Kyle will feel that he's, he's sort of underperformed by his own standards um, in, recent, in recent years. Uh, but you forget how young he is, and um, there's still plenty for plenty for him to offer the club. Um, he'll be our captain again. He's a great leader, uh, and I think he'll enjoy that added added pressure that the captaincy brings. Um, and I expect him to really kick on this year. He's got a good mix of tracks in Leicester and, and Sheffield. Uh, it gives him a good balance of riding the smaller, tighter tracks and the big, fast bowl of Sheffield. So uh, I think I think we will really see him push on this year. Um, and like I said, this, the balance of the team is really, really good. James is really the the unknown, but I think absolutely worth a worth a punt on his on his average. Um, a, a proven performer, uh, albeit a, a number of years ago, but he's not been lost completely to. Um, the motorcycle world he's been a very very good grass track rider over the last few years so he's not been completely off a bike so um, I expect him to to get up to speed really quickly uh, and I think he'll be a great asset to us on on on, on what looks like a bargain average and then when you start dissecting the rest of the team Seji really has a point to prove he's had a great off season, if you like, um, he's been very active on on his speedway bike in in Australia, and his results have been very very good. So uh, that bears well. Um, we just need him to bring what is always um, such a he's always such a consistent performer in in Australia, um, and perhaps he's lacked a little bit of that consistency in in the UK. Uh, but we've had a talk about that, and he's really excited about uh, his opportunity.
uh, to be able to, to ride for Sheffield again. I think we saw uh, a very good Justin Sedgman when he when he when he finished the season with us a couple of years ago, uh, and he's really excited about his his chance. And then you know we've not even mentioned Jack Holder yet, have we? You know it's uh, it's great to look forward to um, somebody we've seen performing already this season um, on a stage like uh, the Polish Extra Liga. Uh, so to see Jack going so well out there, it just really excites the, the Sheffield fans, public and management um, that he's had such a fantastic start to the season over there. And um, no doubt he's got a point to prove over here and it'll be, um, uh, it'll be, uh, it'll be a really, really um, dynamic point scorer for us. And you're hoping to get back going and have fans on the terraces? Well, that's what we're all after, isn't it? Like I think it's been said, you know, sport without fans just doesn't feel right, and um, it's it's uh, it's not been a great great year or so for any of us. And I think we're all desperate to to start watching live sport again properly on the terraces, supporting your your club, whoever that might be. Um, and as a Sheffield fan, um, I'm part of you know the management structure at Sheffield. I really can't wait. Yeah, good luck to Simon Stead and the Sheffield Tigers team heading into 2021, opening their account in the Speedway Premiership on the first day where fans are allowed in. 17th of May at the National Speedway Stadium, they face the Bellevue Aces. What a way to start your Premiership campaign. And of course, we'll have more build-up to that fixture between now and May 17th. On the way, we're going to hear from a rider who's captaining two teams this year, both the Eastbourne Eagles and the Kingsley stars. We'll hear from Lewis Kerr in a little while. And next we're going to hear from Phil Lanning. You'll have read his words, no doubt, in the Speedway Star or indeed national newspapers and being the son of perhaps you could argue British Speedway's greatest ever commentator, he knows a thing or two about the sport and he also has some ideas of how British Speedway can get itself back in the headlines. What are those national papers actually looking for? We'll hear from Phil Lanning in just a couple of moments here on No Breaks no Fear, the official British Speedway podcast. No Brakes, No Fear, the official British Speedway podcast. Welcome back. In this section, we're going to be speaking with somebody whose name you will probably know quite well. Phil Lanning, of course, is a regular contributor to the Speedway Star, and he's also been a journalist for the Sun newspaper for many, many years and knows full well the struggles that many sports face when trying to make the headlines. Of course, it's a lot easier for, say, football or cricket to make the back pages. But how does Speedway get itself in those national publications and what are the challenges and what what can Speedway do to make itself perhaps a little bit more newsworthy and get itself in these places where maybe youngsters will see of the sports and come down and check it out and find out more about it in person? Well, Phil has all this experience and we're going to talk to him now. Of course, he is well versed in Speedway, coming from the Lanning family, his dad being the legendary commentator Dave Lanning. He grew up very much around the sports and we're going to talk about that first, in fact. Um, hi, Phil. Good evening. Thanks for having me on. 
Thanks for joining us. First of all, let's talk about your early days with the sport, because as we mentioned there, growing up as the son of British Speedway's greatest commentator and at the time really the main commentator for Speedway for such a long period of time, it must have been quite a quite an introduction to the sport at a young age, going around, I imagine, to, to some of these tracks and, and witnessing some of this action, either on your TV watching your dad or, or in person at some of these amazing events. It was um, when I when I was growing up. I, I think it was the the halcyon days of the sport. Um, I'd like to think that that will return. So I'm not going to hark on about the, the the good old days as such. But no, it was Speedway was um, was absolutely flying at the time. I mean, we were talking about World of Sports uh, was covering Speedway on a Saturday afternoon and was doing figures of something like uh, 13 million viewers. And so, and because of that, uh, the, the Sun and other newspapers were were, were covering covering Speedway heavily. So it's back page news, big stories. Um, and um, so for me, as a as a as a child, to be going to school and uh, the kids in my class was sort of. I, to be fair, I got a lot of stick for it. <laughs> um, but you know, the, the, and the most I saw of my dad at, at some stages was the fact that I was watching him on television on a Saturday afternoon. He was he was on there more than when I saw him at home. So it was it was it was. I perceived it as being very, um, not just fairly ordinary, but it, at the same time, it was it was exciting and and to be part of that and to and to go to world finals at Wembley and um with a, you know what 90 odd thousand fans that the panel final 81 and and test matches i mean remember vividly uh england usa matches were sensational i mean uh panel and schwartz and jessup and Collins. it was it was a uh, it really was a fantastic era and i was very very privileged to be part of that and to have the access that i did to commentary positions and being part of the television setup because I did that from a very young age as did my brother and sister we helped my dad we were the lackeys uh, we actually sort of carried his briefcase and took notes during the meeting and we were his spotters because he had to he had to uh, sort of talk from the monitor that's what commentators are taught you're not, not you, you know you actually just talk the pictures which are in front of you not anywhere else so if anything else was going on you know it, you know, one of us had to keep an eye out what else was going on, talk to the referee if there was exclusions and if there was something going on in the crowd. So it was it was a really exciting time. And, I, you know, I remember it very, very fondly. And, uh, of course, these days now with, with YouTube, there's so much footage still going around with with his commentary on and and it still stands the test of time. It's, you know, some of the some of the phrasing that's out there that, that, that he did at the time and I mean, commentary, I think, is, a, is an incredible skill in itself. I've tried doing it and I can't do it. But to, re- to do it on Speedway, particularly, where things are happening so much faster than, say, football or cricket or rugby or whatever, it's, it's a hell of a skill. And to come up with the words, the right words at the right time as well, is, is brilliant. And I say people still obviously enjoy watching it now. It's, it's a bit scary for me at times. I mean, obviously, I lost my father four years ago. Um, and, but I'm frequently reminded that, you know, I'm on facebook and social media and and literally every day of the week i'll be minding my own business going through and then sort of there's a commentary of a of a world final or long track finals or ice finals and there's you know i'm greeted with with my father's voice which is a bit eerie at times it's 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 makes me immensely proud obviously but i think you're right i think commentary is a 
is a real art. I think uh, Nigel was very kind about my dad, uh, what he says about him, but um, he, Nigel can never undersell what he does uh, because it, it is an art. There, and there's no school for commentary. My dad had several different types of sayings, and I think the high, wide and handsome ended up being his most famous one uh, with Peter Collins at, at Katowice in 76 when he was world champion. And uh, no, that's, again, it's it's something that gives me a rosy glow that that, that, that people still remember. But, and we, my, my dad had a, a saying throughout his life and throughout his career said, you're soon forgotten. And uh, the fact is, it's the family all feel, I've talked to my brother and sister frequently about this because he hasn't been, so he was wrong. And so for once in our lives, we managed to say that my dad was wrong and we can say <laughs> that, which is a good thing. <clears throat> yeah, he, yeah, he will always be remembered. I think as uh, being um, commentated, obviously not just for speedway, but um, for, for so many sports as well. Darts, uh, of course, uh, the other one, and, and another one that's very close to you. But we'll stick to speedway for now. Um, when you are writing for national newspapers, as as you do, and and as mentioned there, what twenty nine years now with the Sun newspaper, what is the challenge like, particularly for getting column inches for speedway, and and what uh, what are the um, what are the sort of things that that would certainly help you get more coverage for Speedway in in in, in those sort of newspapers? Um, it's, I hate to say this, and Speedway people will probably frown upon this at certain times. Uh, newspapers revolve around, especially tabloid, as people know, it's sort of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. You've got to stand out from the crowd. You've got to be controversial. And again, there's there's a timeline involved here. Is that when when my dad was was when Speedway was attracting huge television audiences on terrestrial television, and when it was making back pages, when uh, Bruce Pennell and Kenny Carter were having fights and you know telling each other they're going to stuff each other in the fence every week, that's what people love, and that's not me saying that. That's not this is the public that that crave this sort of thing, and it's it's very easy to to look at a barometer for this. Um, Again, it's very. If you look down the years, there's JFK moments in Speedway where you always remember where you were or what meeting you at when there was a fight. You can, I guarantee, you can do that. I can do. It. I can remember fights at Eastbourne in certain meetings, Eastbourne versus Wright House in 1985 when I was 14 years old. Um, mind you, a fight happens at Eastbourne most weeks, to be fair. Um, but uh, nonetheless, <laughs> you do remember those moments. We remember. Uh, Boyce punching Golov. We remember Emil and uh, Scott Nichols at Cardiff. We remember, you know, uh, Greg Hancock jumping on Nicky Pedersen. That says it all. And if you go onto YouTube, which is the biggest platform now uh, for uh, for viewing uh, any sort of coverage of, of sport, sport or anything, to be fair, uh, look at the viewing figures. And uh, look at the viewing figures for Scott Nichols has won, what, seven British titles? Yeah, if you yeah. go onto YouTube and type in Scott Nichols, something like 1.3 million people watched his fight with Emil, Emil Saifutinov. So, again, Speedway has to sort of compete in a very, very small market now on the in, in newspapers. It's this one page is what we call the first page of sport, which is the first one you come to in the back of it. Not the back page; it's the one which is the first page, and and uh, you're fighting amongst snooker, darts, boxing, golf. The rest of it's all football. After that, you're competing for one page for other sports. And to, to actually make that headline, to get a page lead, 
is extremely hard and it's got to be exciting and it's got to be out there and uh so Speedway has got to do that. I think that I know that it's frowned upon. I know that the ACU and SCB, you know, don't want people fighting here, there and everywhere. And rightly so, there has to be a line in the sand. But at the end of the day, just look at the interest it generates. Look at what controversy generates in the world. And that's what people stop it. What it stops people on timelines, on, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And so that's what it's got to go to. I mean, and again, I refer back to it has happened in the past. Nothing's changed. That that that's what people still want. The public still want controversy. They still talk about things when it's controversial. And so, you know, that's that's what Speedway needs to do. Um, sadly, it's not going to generate anything if it's just about um, the track was good tonight or someone broke a track record. At, uh, at Bellevue. Sadly, that doesn't make headlines. It needs to be exciting. Danger as well. Speedway needs to, you know, I, I know riders personally, I don't want to see anyone hurt, but this is a natural thing of Speedway. Its greatest asset is its danger. Um, and, you know, again, I refer to YouTube. What if you look at YouTube, the, one of the, I think the second biggest watched um, incident in Speedway is when Chris Harris was run over in the playoff final. At Paul and got up and ran back to the pits and ended up winning the uh, the league for Coventry. Mm -hmm. So, again, this is not me saying that. The facts are there. The barometer is there, and Speedway just needs to understand that more. The, the and people need to sort of play to that more. And um, and Speedway because it's got everything else. The ingredients of Speedway is all there. It's got the danger. It's got the excitement. It's raw. It's gritty. But it just we just need to let it breathe a bit and let it get out there and let people see Speedway for what it really is. Does Speedway need more of those characters, you know, the sort of more lover, more hate em characters that maybe wind the crowd up a little bit more, like pantomime villains, if you will? Do we have enough of them these days? There were at times there were promoters who understood that. We don't really have that these days. There's the, We don't have the sort of the Len Silvers, the Ian Thomases, and, and my dad it was this sort of, they got there and they wound each other up and they got in front of the crowd and they said things to each other and they got the riders wound up and it all got sort of, there was lots of, I mean, crikey, I remember going to, I remember going to uh, Eastbourne and Canterbury when my father was there and Johnny Hoskins uh, was at Canterbury, there was, and the, the place was booing, the place that was packed out and people were booing and jeering and that's what you want, you, you don't want WWE wrestling, but you want, you want a bit of excitement and I think and again you want these guys to turn up you want people to be I want to see I've, I, I can't remember the last time I saw someone I used to love the phone was in front of the starting gate when the, the, the yeah. phone manager used to pick it up and smash the phone and all that used to go on and you know that was it gets people going it makes kids think about Speedway they love all that you know, crikey look at the stadiums packed with that god awful wrestling, that, which is all made up, and people hitting each other the heads with tinfoil things, you know, to make it look like that. But Speedway used to happen; that was for real, and that was that's what we've got to get back to. We just want to get back to that raw excitement. And again, we need pantomime villains, and we want. I'm not saying to make it all up because if you let Speedway breathe and let people do this, then it tends to happen anyway. But let's not shut it down. You know, don't hide from it. Just let it happen naturally and let evolution and that will create headlines and excitement and talking points. I'm, I see this all the time on BT that it all happens on the Grand Prix and suddenly it's, oh no, we, we don't want to see that. This is all, this is bad, this is bad. Not People want to see it. 
people want to see punch ups and stuff and it's you know it's it's exciting and it gets the you know, it gets your blood temperature up doesn't it there's always something quite uh, quite ironic i think sometimes about speedway riders having a punch up with with full um, safety gear on it's uh, it's you know crash helmets well, and all that kind of stuff <laughs> I, well i i've seen riders i've i've known riders to break their break their wrist by punching someone with a crash helmet really on. wow they, they will remain nameless <laughs> <laughs> um when we're talking about the future of Speedway, obviously people will say, well, youngsters these days, they don't go to the Speedway. And we know that's not the case because, um, you know, we, we even with reporters as well, we've had Joe Appleton on in the last few weeks, Lee Wilde, who's a young reporter in Manchester, Robin Allen, Ryan Guest, and, and your own son, Taylor Lanning, who's uh, an outstanding uh, photographer as well. So they're getting involved. And there is there are youngsters coming through the gates, maybe not as many as we'd like, but it is that challenge of getting that younger generation generation away from playstations and into the stadiums isn't it again I, I refer to exactly what's been um what's happened what's happened in the past and what's and what's what's interesting for for kids to watch and again um i can tell my my all three of my children absolutely adore the sport and, and there's a it's a curious thing as well why there's a sort of there's a sort of vacuum somewhere i don't know where it is and i know that there's probably lots of promoters um feel this and i know for instance glasgow know this the promotion there is that once you get the kids to come in and watch it they tend to come want to come back it's just getting them there in the first place and i think i th- i think speedway misses um um that sort of again that controversy element i think we're i don't think speedway's alone in this problem um i think there's a big problem of getting kids out of their normal routines in front of because obviously video games are so good now it is difficult to, to get them away from that. But I do think Speedway has got that ingredient and Speedway can stop beating itself up, if you like, that it, that it's not good enough to compete with these things because it is, is it still has got um, a fantastic product. I think it's, I think it needs to work more on its presentation, hugely. Its presentation would be massive to, to get kids involved and to feel more of a, uh, more involvement with it because this sort of thing where we sort of still working in 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 age-old um sort of parades and stuff like that i think it needs to be far more exciting far more boxing or look look what and again i'm not going to go on about another sport too much but again if you look at the way darts has revolutionized itself with where darts was perceived 20 years ago as just sort of big guys throwing sharp objects in smoky bars (laughs) now look at the walk-ons the loud music the, the 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 crowd um, interaction is massive, and it's and look at how darts has gone off the gone through the stratosphere now with with viewing figures and and with attendance. So that area speedway, when you get the four guys on a track and the racing, that bit's great. Those fifteen minutes are pretty good. Yeah, and you probably get about five sensational races out of that if you're lucky, you know. But whatever happens, that's still exciting. When that when those tapes go up, you know, your heartbeat goes up. You don't know what's going to happen. And that you know that for that next minute, but in between all that, it's not speedway's not good enough on its own. Those those fifteen minutes aren't good enough the, to get kids involved. I think you've got to get a lot more excitement at the start of the event and to keep that loud music going and really really sort of sell it in that way. You've got to it's got to be constant. I don't think you can have these gaps with children because they get bored very quickly. And so that area's got to be worked on. But speedway shouldn't be too. Uh, self-deprecating when it comes to what the product is because it's still 
brilliant compared to what other sports are. Um, on the subject of, of getting it out there in front of a different audience, the um, obviously the TV deal kicks in this year for British Speedway with Eurosport. Uh, Eurosport are going to be taking over not only the TV coverage but running the Speedway Grand Prix next year. Um, they've already got a massive audience base. It's going to be the option of, of some of the coverage maybe free-to-air on Quest as well. That's got to be good news, hasn't it, for, for both passive fans and maybe for those that are going to discover it over the next few years absolutely and and i think to have a broadcast partner is essential um and and british speedway has worked hard to to secure that Uh, again and i think it's also very very important that they are going to promote the sport as well across europe and that's massive to have that involvement as well and again i think if, if you look at so the way darts has evolved again darts really went bananas when it when it linked with sky and sky were instrumental in the wall cons and all that sort of the how they presented it you'd like to think that that's what eurosport can do and and you'd like to think that they can sort of oversee it and, and really put their input into how you sell the sport as a whole um again it, eurosport are a, a, a terrific channel and they've got a really really strong history of how to put sport on in the correct manner um, we'll have to see how they put it on. We, we've been very lucky with Speedway that since 1999 we've had uh, league racing on either on Sky or BT. It's always been done very well. I have no doubt that, that, that Eurosport will do the same job. And uh, But it's important for Speedway to, to make sure that everything, go, you know, they have the best possible racing and they have the best possible sort of the riders are good. They, they sort of they say the right things, and they sort of and it's exciting for the viewers. We get Speedway has to sell itself as well. And what would be your advice to? Because I know we have a number of, of of young riders listening to this um, who are you know on the fringes, maybe in the Rising Star or in the in the Development League. What would be your advice from your experience of of what they can do to make themselves stand out when that microphone or the or the reporter comes comes knocking for a story? um right which cap do i put on when i when i answer this question right (laughs) from a tabloid journalist hat i would just say be honest be outspoken say what you think within reason you know i'm not talking about saying anything outrageous here but i'm saying be honest you know let's let's wear your heart on your sleeve be you know again the great characters the, the the kenny carters of this world who who said that sort of stuff and created headlines, Bruce Penhall, and more recently, Ty Woofenden. If I would, I would say to them, be Ty Woofenden. Um, from a, from a professional point of view that, that you've got to make sure you say the right things and you do it in the right way. Um, and for their, for the sake of the sport, but somewhere in between the two things, uh, if, if someone said to me right now, if you were to create a British rider and say, make that you want if you wanted 10 more riders of that i would say can i have 10 more ty wolfenden's please that's what i would want ty wolfenden is the absolute model professional speedway rider that this country has been blessed with over the past 10 years or whatever and we could do with more of him and because he's been underused he's been at times he's been tried to be silenced and tried to keep away but this guy is absolute gold dust. He looks the part, he's exciting, he's cool, he's wild, he's a maverick, he's got all the ingredients, and yet 
this is a guy who's also raised thousands of pounds for the Great Ormond Street. He's got a heart of gold. He absolutely dotes after his wife and kids. He's got he's got everything about him is right. He's got a fantastic backstory, and if that's what I'd say, you know, if if you're Leon Flint or if you're Carl Bickley or whoever you are, Tom Brennan, be Ty Woofenden. I don't. I'm not saying get tattooed from from head to toe. I'm sure their parents would absolutely string me up for that. <laughs> but I'm just saying. But nonetheless, he looks cool. He he is Speedway. What we want Speedway to look like, and he that's what will get us to where Speedway wants to be. That's what will create pages and newspapers. And when he's absolutely the greatest asset Speedway in this country's had for 10 years. I think it has been underused, sensationally underused. But this, this guy can say, and I'm see he's, he's, I think he's having a huge influence on other people now, like Dan Bewley and Robert Lambert. And I think that's very important. And he's been terrific with Great Britain, uh, with Rob Painter and Ricky Blackwell, that they're actually working together and he's helping them as well. And again, if we can create that feeling and the way he's gone about himself, we're going in the right direction, truly. And from a point of view of, of the promoters, I mean, we're talking about the, you've touched on presentation there, which I know has been mentioned um, a lot over the years as, as being something that is a, is, I know it's a, it's a tricky art, but <clears throat> there are clubs that do it perhaps better than others. And and it, and it is keeping that um, attention between the heats, as, as you mentioned, particularly for youngsters who are used to maybe a bit more of a full on assault on the senses with, with some sports. So what would you do to fill those gaps? It's a very difficult uh, situation because it's very difficult to create an atmosphere in an outdoor stadium. And a lot of the stadiums are, don't belong, well, 99% don't belong to the, to the Speedway Club. So they're sort of, it's, you're sort of just turning up and, and using that stadium. So it's difficult to sort of arrange anything in that way. I've seen it done with outdoor stadiums. It actually works better. It's very difficult, sadly, to do it in the middle of the summer to generate atmosphere because you need to create something. You need loud music and you need a very good sound system, which is rare. Um, and it's, again, it disappears into the into the atmosphere if it's if you've not got a roof or whatever. So that is difficult. I have seen it done. I've seen um, I've seen certain tracks like Paul and I've seen Glasgow do this. I've seen Glasgow run a couple of. Um, Playoff finals and stuff like that, where they've used smoke flares and and but again, you need a it needs to be unfortunately it needs to be a, a a very cold night in in October to to have that. So there is there are ways of doing it. I think there are certain ways that I think you can still create atmosphere. I think music's important. Music association is massive in any sport. Again, I see that in darts all the time. The players have their own walk-ons and they have their own tunes, and people are. You know that gives that association again, and it and it becomes like when you hear certain things where you know on day to day, you know on the on the radio people go that oh, that's such and such or oh, that's such and such you know, so that's important. Um, again, it can be done. It's got to be done with good lighting, and it has to be done with great sound systems. But there's one big element of that which is a problem, and it costs money, and that's the biggest problem Speedway's got. I mean and. The one thing I will say is I don't think enough attention is paid to that. I think people talk so much more now about the team they're putting out and the cost of that team they're putting out rather than the actual the presentation is just as important as the seven riders they put on that track, if not more important. And the emphasis that's been allowed to just drift over a, 
a long period of time. But good lighting, uh, good music, well thought out, uh, building an atmosphere properly. Uh, that can be done in a really well, and I and but the the days of riders walking out of a pit gate and meandering to a start line to be to be called out one by one with and just go off on the bike, those days have got to end, and Speedway's got to get with it, and it's got to present it. And you know, if you again look at what's being done on, you know, look at what's being done on video games and how things are promoted on them, and and that's it's all very loud and exciting and. So again, it's it's not easy. I'm not I'm not kidding anyone in here that I have a a magic wand and I can say this can be this is easy to do because you need the stadia as well. You need the good stadiums to do it. And uh, but people do do it. People put the effort in and it, it can be done properly. And finally, just a look ahead to this season. Obviously, we've got um, a few changes to how things look. There are only six teams in the Premiership, but um, quite um, an interesting-looking championship as well, especially with uh, Jason Crump um, back in, uh, in in both leagues um, and somebody that you've worked closely with, and uh, you must be excited to see him um, back out on the track and um, and some other big names, such like Bjarne Pedersen as well, joining him at uh, Plymouth. Some, some headline names there around British Speedway this year. Absolutely, and I, I think that um, I did laugh when Jason said he was coming back. Um, at the, the, you know, over a year ago now, and I fell about laughing. I thought it was a wind up. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, listen, Jason is box office. I mean, whatever happens, uh, J- Jason isn't. You know, this is his. This is a new. This is a new chapter. This has got nothing to do with the. You know with what he did when he finished in 2012. Uh, this is a new thing, a uh, new chapter for him. And whatever happens, wherever he goes, he is going to be box office. He's going to put bums on seats. People are going to want to see when he turns up at Edinburgh or whatever, they're going to want to see Sam Masters is going to, going to want to beat him. Uh, or if he goes to Glasgow, Cook's going to want to beat him. Wherever he goes, it's going to be that sort of thing, which is absolutely priceless. And he's going to bring that element of excitement to every single track. There are a lots of. I, I think the championship is a particularly good league, um, and I and I think it's going to be a. I think it's going to be a very exciting season. I think everyone's delighted to be back, um, and hopefully it'll all go to plan. That there's going to be no setbacks with getting getting racing back on. Um, I genuinely, I'm I'm quite excited for the for a lot of the reasons which we've mentioned is that I think there's there's a Maybe from the outside, I just feel there's a bit more parity this year. I think there's going to look like because it's there's a natural evolution of the riders are not coming back, and no disrespect for them to them, but I think that means there's a bit more parity in the in the team strengths, and hopefully that will mean closer meetings and uh, and, and closer racing. But time will tell, and we'll see how it see how it pans out. But obviously. Very excited to be coming back to Speedway. Speedway's back and uh, with fans from the 17th of May uh, onwards uh, through the course of the summer. It's going to be an exciting uh, summer of Speedway. And uh, my thanks to uh, Phil Lanning for joining us. Thank you, Phil. Thanks for having me. Thanks, you. My thanks to Phil Lanning for joining us in this episode of No Breaks, No Fear, the official podcast of British Speedway. Still to come, we're going to hear from a man who's captaining two teams this year. He's going to be the captain of the Eastbourne Eagles and the Kingsland Stars. We'll hear from Lewis Kerr next. And we'll hear from Bellevue Aces legend Joe Screen, who's been offering his tips on how to get the best out of the National Speedway Stadium. All on the way. No Breaks. No fear. The official British Speedway podcast. 
Welcome back. I'm Ian Brannan, and right now we're going to turn our attention to Lewis Kerr, who's set for a very busy year ahead because he's been appointed the captain of Eastbourne for the new championship campaign. Kerr, after a successful first season with the club in 2019, takes over from Edward Kennett, who's going to focus on his role as number one in the team. He's also going to be captaining the Kings Lynn Stars as well, and we've caught up with him. Ryan Guest paid him a call. Well, Louis, the 2021 season is just around the corner now. And for yourself, back with Kings Lynn in the Premiership and Eastbourne in the Championship. And first and foremost, two clubs that you really feel at home with. Yeah, exactly. Um, they both feel like home to me. Um, Eastbourne as much as Kings Lynn now. So, um, yeah, exciting times ahead, really. Um, looking forward to it. Yeah, it was already known that you were going to be stepping up as captain with your local side, Kings Lynn. But the news coming out last week that you'll be skipper of Eastbourne now in 2021 as well. And I'm guessing that's a, a huge honour for yourself. Yeah, it is. Like I said, both both clubs, captain, it's, um, it's a big year for myself. And uh, it brings the best out of me. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to you know, taking that on at Eastbourne as well now. And, yeah, I think, it, like I said, it brings the best out of me. And, and that's the main thing. Yeah, just expand a little, if you don't mind, on how you feel that sort of added responsibility will bring the best out of you. Well, I think, you know, I think as a captain, you want to, you know, go out there and, and, and show everyone, you know, how, how it should be done. I know it's not always going to go to plan, but I think it gives me that sort of mentality to go out there and uh, as a captain and, and show what has to be done. Um, and, I, and I like being around all the boys, you know, and like geeing them up. Uh, I'm not one for just sitting in my chair and overthinking things. And so that side of things, it takes takes my mind off work, uh, certain things and working myself up too much. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be a big year for yourself, like you say. I know you did treasure your own personal 2020 uh, during the pandemic as it did bring some uh, unexpected time with your young family. But 2021, it's all about kicking on again on track and, and getting back to where you want to be. Yeah, no, exactly, mate. I mean, it's been, there's some positives to take, like you said, with spending time with the family and stuff. But, um, you know, it's been a long time now and I just want to ride my bike. So, um, you know, I'm really keen. Everything's uh, preparation's gone really well and I think it's going to be a good year for myself and, and both clubs. Yeah, it's not just been the domestic side of things for yourself, though. You've been heavily involved in the Great Britain Speedway team camps and you've still got some pretty serious ambitions that you want to push on and achieve in your career. Yeah, massively. You know, it's um, that's one of my biggest biggest aims is to make the GB squad every season and um, fortunate enough I've done that this year. So um, I've had a few ups and downs along the way up last few years, but um, I know myself we've got a lot more to show so um, that's the plan Just looking at those Great Britain Speedway team camps a little bit more if we can uh, I know you've been really impressed with everything they involve whether it be on track or off track Yeah massively like I said Rob and Vicky and everyone else do, do a great job and very professional and um, we have the full support of every aspect of Speedway so um, you know we haven't got any excuses you know you just got to knuckle down and work hard in every way possible and uh, hopefully things come together. Well, Louis, I know you are uh, one rider in particular. He was hugely respected uh, across the whole of British Speedway and we wish you all the best for the season ahead.
That's Ryan Guest in conversation with Lewis Kerr, ahead of a season being captain of the Eastbourne Eagles and the Kingsland Stars. Now, have you ever wondered what it would feel like to have a skid around Manchester's National Speedway Stadium? Well, a number of people had that opportunity recently as the National Speedway Stadium opened its doors for those with the relevant equipment and a little bit of knowledge to have a go around the 347-metre iconic circuit. Also on hand was the current Aces team boss Mark Lemon and Bellevue Aces legend Joe Screen to offer their pointers and tips of how to get the best out of the bikes. Hayley Bromley caught up with Joe Screen. So I'm with Joe Screen, Bellevue legend Joe. We've had the first Bellevue experience day here at the National Speedway Stadium. What did you think? Brilliant, yeah, good, good day for it. Um, you know, it's all new to everybody. You know, the way COVID's been, it's been a bit weird uh, the last few years, but uh, it's great to see we're running a, a training day for kids and um, some of the old team riders as well from Bellevue are here and uh, it's, great to, it's great to see them back on track. And uh, obviously a lot of new new faces that we've not seen before here for the, the benefit of the experience day. They're raving about it already, aren't they? They've had a good time. Well, it, some guys will never get the experience to ride here, you know, again, with age or whatever it is, you know, the older you get, the, the sort of, uh, the wiser you get. But some of the boys have loved it, you know, he's um, a friend of mine there, he's on a GM, book ride GM, and he's blasting around there and uh, enjoying himself and that's the main thing enjoying has it given you the bug to maybe try and have a go around the national speedway stadium maybe one day you know i'm still uh i can still ride you know i've got uh, my boot my kevlar's out a couple of weeks ago but today I'll, you know i could probably have a go today but uh, i would want to help a few people and see what it's about but uh, we'll see hopefully i'll get to uh, have a ride one day and if there, you know if to anyone out there who might be you know thinking about doing one of these experience days what would you say to them Brilliant, you've got, there's not many riders here today, so I think the riders have been getting six, seven, eight, nine rides, so you can get a lot of, uh, a lot of track time. Um, so I think the busier you get, the less sort of track time you, you do get, but I think if you keep it a small venture like they are, they are doing with less of riders, you get more track time, and I think people have uh, appreciated that more if you're getting six, seven, eight rides to compare with going somewhere else, paying less money, queuing, you know, I'm getting three or four rides through the day, whereas um, I think Benji and the boys have had about eight or nine rides. So, um, you know, you get what you pay for. Well, Joe, thanks very much and thank you again for joining us today. Right time, mate. We'll see you soon. Do you know that um, Joe Screen held the track record when the Bradford track closed at Odsall and now the track's been reinstalled? I'm wondering if that track record is still valid because the track is the same length and the same shape, I believe, which would make Joe Screen still the fastest man in British Speedway, I think, if the calculations are still correct. Anyway, we can look at that another day. There he was speaking to Hayley Bromley for the Bellevue Aces official social media channels. So that's it for No Breaks, No Fear for this week. Thanks for spending the time with us. We're back next week. We've got loads already lined up and a very special guest. The one, the only, the man with a Bobby Dazzler shirt, which he will be wearing, you just won't be able to see it. But uh, Scott Nichols will be joining us on next week's episode. Join us for that. Have a great week. Not forgetting, of course, there's more Speedway action this coming Friday, May 7th in the National Development League with the return fixture of uh, the other fixture we've had so far this season, Armadale versus Berwick. Their chance to get a little bit of revenge on their home turf this Friday. Of course, we'll let you know what happens on that one. All the results and the latest from your club, always available at speedwaygb.co.uk. No Breaks, No Fear is produced by Nigel Pearson Media for British Speedway.
See you next week. No brakes, no fear. The official British Speedway podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.